Hey there, it's Kathy. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to History of the 90s early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It was a beautiful day in San Diego, and 35-year-old Sheriff's Deputy Robert Brunk had every reason to think his shift would be filled with the typical calls of a beachside community. Lifeguard assists, vehicle burglaries, domestic violence, and as always, some rowdy drunks. As he got ready for his shift, the first order of business was to call into the communications center. The woman working dispatch surprised him when she said that an anonymous 911 caller had reported 40 cult members had killed themselves in Rancho Santa Fe. Brunk immediately thought it must be a prank, but he had a duty to check it out. He had no way of knowing what lay ahead. I'm Kathy Kinzora, and on this episode of History of the 90s, we continue our look at the rise of doomsday cults at the end of the 20th century. Today, the story of Heaven's Gate, the first cult of the internet era. On the 10-minute drive into Rancho Santa Fe, which is one of the highest-income neighborhoods in the nation, Officer Brunk wondered how he was going to explain this visit to the homeowners. But when he pulled up to the address, he found the gate was locked. So he jumped the fence and walked up the steep driveway to the two-story mansion. Immediately, he thought something didn't look right. The lights outside the house were on, and all the blinds were drawn shut. He also noticed a number of vehicles parked in the driveway and garage. Feeling somewhat uneasy, Brunk tried the front door. It was locked. But another door on the left side of the house wasn't. He turned the knob, pushed open the door, and announced, Sheriff's Department. That's when he recoiled from the unmistakable stench of dead bodies. Brunk immediately called for backup. And within about 10 minutes, Sheriff's Deputy Laura Gasick was on the scene. Together, they drew their guns and walked inside. As if entering a dark theater on a sunny day, Brunk's eyes slowly adjusted to the dimly lit room. The two deputies turned toward the large, pristine kitchen, where they found a side door to the garage. Inside the garage, they found a tidy row of tennis shoes and sandals. Back in the kitchen, they noticed a cockroach on its back, its legs flailing. Brunk then saw what looked like a body on top of a mattress on the floor. At that very moment, Gasek saw six more bodies on three bunk beds. Suddenly, Brunk realized they had no idea what had killed these people, and it wasn't safe to be inside the house. He looked at Gasek and said, let's get out of here. Outside, they set up yellow crime scene tape while waiting for investigators. When Lieutenant Jerry Lewis arrived, they went back in with guns drawn. They walked through the house, room after room, checking for life, but they found none. All they discovered was a computer screen in a side room, flashing with the words, Red Alert. When news broke, the world was shook by the mass suicide, the creepy video messages, the obsession with UFOs, and of course, the matching Nikes. Heaven's Gate is considered in many ways as the first cult of the internet era. 
But before 39 members ended their lives to catch a ride on a spacecraft flying in the wake of a comet, we need to go back to Texas in the 1970s. That's where Heaven's Gate was first created by Marshall Herf Applewhite and Bonnie Lou Nettles. They met in 1972, when Applewhite's marriage of 16 years had just ended. He'd also lost his job as the chair of the music department at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, after it came to light that he had a relationship with a male student. Applewhite developed a close friendship with Bonnie Nettles, a registered nurse and mother of four, who was also going through a turbulent time. Her marriage of 23 years had just ended, partly because of her growing belief in spirits and UFOs. Applewhite and Nettles met at either a drama class or a psychiatric facility, depending who you believe. But either way, it appears they hit it off almost immediately over their shared interest in religion, aliens, and life after death. They rarely left each other's side. The friends even picked new names. Applewhite was Doe and Nettles was T, which are notes in the musical scale. And they set out on a spiritual road trip. They traveled around the U.S. assembling a group of like-minded people. Applewhite explained to would-be followers that human bodies were merely containers or vehicles that could be abandoned in favor of a higher physical existence. They called their group the Human Individual Metamorphosis, and they preached that an extraterrestrial spacecraft would take them to the kingdom of heaven, which they referred to as the next level. Alan Warren, author of the book Doomsday Cults, says even back then, they were referred to as a UFO cult. They, they sort of had the idea that uh, we all came from another planet and that we all uh, came from aliens. And so we had to return to them somehow in, in the future. And so it was kind of a worshipping of uh, you know, ancient aliens sort of in a, in a raw way. And, and that's where it started. But of course, it went much further than that. In September 1975, they visited a small Oregon town to give a lecture about how UFOs were soon going to make contact with the human race. About 150 people attended the event, but most people in town thought it was just a joke. That is, until shortly after the lecture, when 20 people from the town disappeared. The mysterious story was even covered by the New York Times and Walter Cronkite, the anchorman for CBS Evening News. He said, it's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply been taken. Turns out they'd gone to a meeting a few states over in Grand Junction, Colorado. There they were joined by about 400 other people who were expecting to rendezvous with aliens. As you might expect, the aliens were a no-show. After that, the group adopted the name Heaven's Gate, and they made an effort to stay out of the news. They quietly traveled and spread their message as they picked up new followers until they eventually settled in Southern California. When Bonnie Nettles died in 1985 from cancer, Marshall Applewhite carried on without her, getting members ready for the next level. He said the next level was a place without gender, and to prepare for that, members had some strict rules they needed to follow while they were on Earth. No sex, no human-level relationships, and no socializing. 
To ensure the men remained celibate, they were often encouraged to be castrated. In fact, according to a Newsweek article in 1997, Applewhite and six followers voluntarily traveled to Mexico City to have the surgical procedure carried out. The group also adopted an androgynous look. Both men and women kept their hair cropped close, and the members routinely wore baggy, oversized shirts, which they didn't tuck in. People who joined the cult were expected to abandon their family and turn over all of their monetary possessions. They were also instructed to cleanse their bodies from alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, fast food, and impure sexual thoughts. They did this with the master cleanse. You might have heard of it because it's sometimes popular for weight loss. It's when you drink nothing but a mix of lemonade, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup. Heaven's Gate members would do it for up to three months at a time. The group's main philosophy took its roots from Applewhite's Presbyterian upbringing and blended it with his extraterrestrial and sci-fi beliefs. You see, Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles were huge fans of Star Trek and Close Encounters. And they mixed in as many Trekkie references and symbols as possible into their new beliefs. Applewhite told his followers that he was the second coming of Jesus Christ and that they were all living in the end times. He also preached that God was an alien and Mary had actually been taken on board a spaceship and impregnated with Jesus. Two major things happened in the 90s that changed the course of this bizarre but seemingly harmless organization. The first was the internet. Applewhite was quick to realize it would be a great tool for the group to share their beliefs with a wider audience because they wouldn't have to rely on knocking on doors and handing out pamphlets on street corners. Contrary to internet etiquette, the group used a technique known as spamming, sending the same message to scores of special interest bulletin boards. Among the bulletin board topics, abuse recovery, anarchism, blasphemy, alien visitors, and support groups for those who had left cult. They also discovered they could use the internet to make a living. Here's Alan Warren. Their core group members, there's about 30 of them that were working at designing websites uh, for money. So that was their income. And that, that was quite a bit of income back um, in those days because that was an uh, expensive undertaking to actually build and design a website in, in the later 90s. So they did okay. Actually, there are reports they earned as much as $400,000 a year with the company they called Higher Source. And they designed websites for businesses like the Beverly Hills Polo Club, a local topiary company, and a Christian music store. Heaven's Gate used the money to take out full-page ads in publications, including USA Today, to attract new members. And according to a New York Times article in 1997, the group paid to broadcast about a dozen homemade videotapes via satellite. The second important thing that happened in the 90s was the discovery of the Hale-Bopp comet. Two astronomers first spotted the unusually bright comet on July 23, 1995. It was most spectacular in the Northern Hemisphere and visible to the naked eye for about 18 months. As part of its 4,000-year orbit of the Sun, the comet would be closest to Earth in March 1997, in what was one of the most impressive astronomical events of the 20th century. 
Applewhite took this as a sign of the end times, and he was convinced that there was a spaceship hidden behind the comet. A spaceship that was coming to pick up members of the Heaven's Gate cult to finally take them to the next level. Initially, members were told they could hitch a ride on the spaceship without committing suicide. Applewhite said they could be beamed up into space and take their bodies with them to the next level. But Applewhite eventually amended that by saying they would be given a new body in the next level, so their earthly bodies didn't have to go with them. They could die and leave them behind. To prepare for the arrival of the Hale-Bopp comet and the spaceship that followed, Heaven's Gate rented a mansion on a palm tree-lined street in Rancho Santa Fe in October 1996. They paid $7,000 a month for the seven-bedroom Mediterranean-style villa with a red clay-tiled roof in the upscale San Diego suburb. Applewood tried to attract some new members by posting messages on their website about their plans to jump on board the spaceship headed toward Earth. He also famously recorded videos. You might remember the footage. It shows the 65-year-old speaking in a Mr. Rogers-type voice, staring wide-eyed and unblinking into the camera. This is a very exciting time for us. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us. I hope for your sake that you at least ponder this, that you go into the privacy of your closet. Don't ask your neighbors, your friends, what they think of this. And so the countdown to their deaths began on March 19, 1997, when Applewhite recorded an exit message. And let me say that our mission here at this time is about to come to a close in the next few days. We came from distant space and even what some might call somewhat of another dimension. And we're about to return from whence we came. The video, which is still available on YouTube, is over 90 minutes long. About halfway through it, Applewhite turns the camera on several members. He introduces them as they stand silently staring into the lens. They all have short hair and they're dressed in matching black uniforms with a triangle patch on the sleeve. Now, if you would uh, hold your patch, maybe we can zoom in on the patch that, great. See, uh, turn it the other way a little bit. If you know the opposite way a little bit. There you go. Now we don't have, there we go. See, it says Heaven's Gate awaiting. And that's exactly what that means to us. We've been away and now we're going back. Did you catch that? The patch reads Heaven's Gate away team. That's a direct reference to Star Trek. On the TV show, the away team was a small group of crew members who descended from their spaceship to engage in some kind of activity on a planet's surface. The next day, on March 20th, a second video was made, which showed all but one member making their own exit messages. The members appear on screen, two at a time, as they sit on white plastic chairs in the backyard of the mansion. Well, I just want to let everyone know how lucky and happy I feel to be here. And 
let you know that what we're about to do is certainly nothing to think negatively about. We're all choosing our own free will. Go to the next level with T and Doe. You can hear birds chirping in the background as each person calmly describes what the upcoming voyage means to them. Yes, they're calm, but they do seem a little bit worried about how their deaths will be portrayed. When we we leave, I know the media will treat this unless we leave in a craft and no vehicles, no bodies are left behind. It's some sort of weird, bizarre cult, a suicide cult, whatever you might want to call it. But look deeper than the words. Look for what we've taught people and the message we've left behind. On the afternoon of March 21st, Heaven's Gate members went out for a big group meal, a final supper of sorts. They gathered at the Marie Callender's restaurant in Carlsbad, California, for turkey pot pies, cherry cheesecake, and iced tea with lemon. The general manager of the restaurant took notice of the large group. Hard not to, when there are 39 individuals all wearing matching long-sleeve button-down shirts and pants. Because of their shaved heads, he thought maybe they were a group of cancer patients. A waitress who served the group said they didn't act weird. In fact, she said they were very nice. They stayed at the restaurant for about 45 minutes and paid the $350 bill in cash. Then, three days later, on March 24th, the deaths began. 15 people killed themselves by mixing strong barbiturates into applesauce or pudding. They washed it down with vodka. After consuming the drugs, they tied plastic bags on their heads, and they lay down in bed and waited to die. The remaining members neatly arranged the bodies of the first group. Each one lay on a bed, their faces and torsos covered by a shroud made of purple material. Just the bottom of their legs and feet were visible. They were all dressed identically in baggy black track pants and black Nike Legend running shoes. Each person had exactly $5.75 in their pocket, a $5 bill and three quarters. And there was a packed suitcase beside their bed. The next day on March 25th, the second wave of deaths. 15 more took their lives. It's believed that Marshall Applewhite was among this group. The surviving members arranged the bodies in the exact same way as the day before. The final nine died on March 26th. The last three people from that group were the only ones who did not have purple shrouds over their bodies. There was no one left to take care of this last detail. In total, 39 people were dead. 21 women and 18 men. It was the worst ever mass suicide on American soil. Today, San Diego authorities performed the grim task of removing 39 bodies from the exclusive hillside mansion. It appears, say investigators, members of a cult-like religious group who called each other angels committed mass suicide, forever to be remembered as angels of death. The bodies lying on their backs, hands by their sides, men and women, two of them black, one or two Hispanic, the rest white, ranging in ages from 20 to 72. Among the dead, a career postal worker who abandoned his five children to join the cult. 
a troubled teenager who ran away to join the group after hearing them lecture in a park, the daughter of a retired judge, the son of a major telecommunication executive. Amongst the dead was Thomas Nichols, the younger brother of Nichelle Nichols. Star Trek fans will recognize that name. She played the role of Lieutenant Uhura, the communications officer of the USS Enterprise on the original TV show and the subsequent movies. The Heaven's Gate mass suicide was a horrible tragedy. 39 people lost their lives. But that didn't stop comedians and others from making jokes about the bizarre incident. One website riffed on Nike's slogan. Instead of, just do it, it said, we just did it. Another spoofed the cult members by coming up with a catchphrase for their website company. We kill ourselves working for you. David Letterman delivered one of his top 10 lists. Signs you're in a bad cult. Cult website is called www.nutcase.com. And Saturday Night Live did a parody commercial for Ked's shoes that used news footage of the dead cult members wearing their Nikes. The tag for the joke? Ked's, worn by level-headed Christians. After the laughter died down and people moved on, the mansion was torn down. The name of the street it was on was changed. And Heaven's Gate settled into its place as a bizarre footnote in 90s history. Remember those black Nike shoes that the cult wore? They were part of a line called Decades. Apparently, Applewhite purchased them because he thought they looked good and because he got a good deal on them. The group paid just under $550 for all 39 pairs from a store in North County in the San Diego area. Well, this was an endorsement that Nike certainly didn't want. And after the tragic events, Nike discontinued the line. To this day, its sole comment on the suicides was made in a statement to Adweek after the SNL skit in 1997. Nike referred to the deaths as a tragedy and that they had nothing to do with Nike. Ironically, though, by pulling the shoes from their lineup, Nike turned them into a highly prized collector's item. And they've been spotted on eBay for as much as $6,000. It's also interesting to note that not all of Heaven's Gate followers died in 1997. Between six and eight members were left behind to preserve the cult's digital legacy. Some have since died, but there are reportedly two people left who have continued to maintain the group's website. Heavensgate.com has been mostly untouched since 1997 and has a perfectly preserved retro vibe. It gives information about the Heaven's Gate cult and includes Bible verses, along with writings by Applewhite, and a photo of how a member of the next kingdom might appear. It looks like an X-Files-style alien with a large forehead and big bug eyes. The website includes written versions of the exit statements recorded by Applewhite and members, along with a media release they issued about their own mass suicide. It's widely known that the website administrators will answer emails and letters from people who would like to learn more about Heaven's Gate. I had a couple of questions myself as I was researching this episode, so I decided to send an email through the site's contact page. They responded in less than eight hours. I wanted to know how they distributed their videotape messages since there was no YouTube in 1997. And here's what they said in response. 
We sent it out to every media station in the country and many around the world. We sent it to every pastor, minister, evangelist, pope, and other religious leaders. We sent it to every federal politician and President Clinton. We posted how to get it free on the website. Copies went out everywhere. That answer seems like an exaggeration to me. I mean, I can't imagine they sent it to every media station in the country and all religious leaders. But hey, the fact that they even responded to me is pretty crazy. By all accounts, the administrators appear to be a couple named Mark and Sarah King. They had been members of Heaven's Gate for about 12 years before the mass suicide in 1997. In an interview with Reddit's blog Upvoted in 2017, The site's administrators said that Marshall Applewhite and the other Heaven's Gate members will return to Earth at some point, and anyone who is ready may have an opportunity to join them. Thanks for listening to this episode on the strange and deadly Heaven's Gate cult. In the next episode, our final part on 90s doomsday cults, we'll dive into the story of the Branch Davidians and their fiery deaths in Waco, Texas. Be sure to check out the show notes for a link to my guest on this episode, author Alan R. Warren. His book is called Doomsday Cults, The Devil's Hostages. Thanks again to everyone who's been sending me suggestions for show ideas. Lots of great stuff. Please keep them coming. You can reach me through Twitter at 1990s History. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. And you can email me directly at 90s at CuriousCast.ca. That's 90s at CuriousCast.ca. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a nice review. It helps spread the word and get more people to find the show. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you stream audio. And you can always listen at CuriousCast.ca. This show is hosted and co-written by me, Kathy Gonzora, and Dila Velasquez, our producer. Sound design and final production is by Rob Johnston. See you next time for more History of the 90s. 